Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's Wesson Walker back together again on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Fresh off the wedding tour. I got the t-shirt. 2023. It's over. We're heading into 2024 stronger than ever. I take the mic time away from Josh Fitty Marlowe. Move over, Wesson Fitty. It's Wesson Walker once again. How'd you guys hold it down on a Thursday and Friday before eventually we got to a very very story driven crazy <laughs> weekend that we had in the sports world yeah you know i think we did a good job and uh we talked about all the good things that the people wanted to hear great college football discussions and we delved into panthers we hit hornets we got to it all baby you know so Fitty and i did what we could how you doing fitty uh, after after two days of hosting wesson walker with it being the wesson fitty show and then after what happened this weekend just your overall mood right now, because I know we got a taste of it in the fishbowl, but oh, buddy, I'm not even going to be mad at you because of how bad that loss was for North Carolina, but I have to imagine you're going to even exceed the expectations for what I had about your anger after that loss. Yeah, look, I'm going to go ahead and say I apologize for nothing. There's going to come a point where the <laughs> foul line is going to, this could be a double foul line visit for me today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went foul line last week on Micah Parsons, maybe my best rant since the show got put together. The smoke I got for my team after that embarrassment crap I watched on Saturday night Ain't nothing going to compare. And it's all your fault. Okay, that's fine. I will take responsibility. (laughs) We shall move on. I don't know what else I'm going to have to take responsibility for, but you know Fiddy is going to go to the foul line. Stay tuned for that. Wes is going to be smiling from ear to ear as Fiddy goes to the foul line, and we'll have plenty of other topics we'll get to right now. Pull up to the scene. Let's get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. No, you didn't! <laughs> that, was, that was good right there. I didn't expect that. And we are off, baby. We are off and rolling, getting off of the bus. That's got to be a drop. I did want to go over what happened since I was gone. Uh huh. Thursday, Friday, and we'll even count a Saturday, Sunday, because I was still doing the wedding tour vacation thing. So let's go over what happened, and let's start with the biggest news over the weekend and work from there. Because North Carolina was upset. They did get beat by Virginia. Drake May, Mac Brown, they lost at home to a team that had one win coming into Chapel Hill. They lost to James Madison West. Yes. This was a team in North Carolina that had three games against Virginia, Georgia Tech, which was the one where we were like, all right, they lost to them last year. If they lose one of these cupcakes mm-hmm. coming up on the schedule, it might be Georgia Tech, but... It's a revenge game, so they'll take care of all three of them. Campbell, please. We'll get to the Camels in a moment, and Carolina will be 9-0, and then the real schedule starts. They couldn't get past Virginia at home, Wes, and that's a bad football team. That was a 23-and-a-half-point spread. People took North Carolina to cover. Virginia fumbled the football out of the end zone. Okay, Drake May going to pick up chunks of yards after chunk of yards, and he's going to do the put the team on my back thing again. We saw it so many times last year. And Virginia pulls off the upset. What a monumental loss for North Carolina and a painful one for Heels fans. Well, you know, there are a lot of things that I enjoy in life. You know, I love steak. 
burgers. I like to shop. I love sneakers. You know, I like cars and things like that. But not much brings me as much joy as the North Carolina Tar Heels taking a suffering, soul-sucking, depressive, (laughs) just program-altering, season-ending loss like what I saw. And, you know, I just kept watching the game. And and I've done a few Virginia games for the ACC Digital Network that you can see highlights on all forms. And I knew that Virginia was a feisty bunch. They weren't going to just let you come in and roll over. But I expected Carolina just to offensively overwhelm them and get the victory. But it was not to be. And when I watched the last few minutes of the game and – Saw that defensive end beat that tackle for that sack and come through and put that blow on Drake May, and then they got the interception. I said, God, I knew you loved me. I knew you did. Amen. I did, and then I just flipped to another channel. I wanted to hear Tony Elliott's post game, and I said, there is a God. Uh, so, so if he loves you, <laughs> what does he think of Fitty? Well, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. He's Ooh. laughing at my claim imagine. to be a renowned man of faith. Oh, no. I would imagine that Fitty was in his own personal hell on earth after that. Life. I think he probably was. Look, I, I want to, I almost want to save Fitty here because we're going to get to it in the next segment as well. No Carolina Panther football. So the twelve twenty segment, usually reserved for Carolina Panther content. It's going to be saved for the college football content because not only did we have a crazy game with Virginia pulling off that upset, Clemson goes down, you also have Duke falling to Florida State. What does that mean? So some really interesting games, big picture-wise, that we're going to get to in the next segment. So we can move on, but you're right. That was a awful loss, and I know that both of the people that I work with every single day... <laughs> That we're going to be experiencing varying, very opposite feelings. <laughs> opposite ends of the spectrum, 180-degree turn with one Wes and how he feels to one Josh Fitty Marlowe and how he feels. I did want to get over, go over some of the other things that happened over the weekend while I was gone. So, Fitty said that he went to the foul line. I saw the video over the weekend yes. against Michael Parsons. Mm-hmm. What I thought I might see when you said he went to the foul line, just because it feels like something Fitty would be enraged over. Yeah. Is Terrace Marshall Jr. having the audacity <laughs> to make a trade re- request? I was like, wait, Carolina's saying, no, nah, it's cool. You can request a trade if you want. You have the ability, the opportunity to go seek another team to go play for. I thought Fiddy might go off on TMJ saying, you're not good enough to request a trade. Yeah. But that did happen. Hell! That happened over last <laughs> week. Did they still? Did, it, what, how did that make both of you feel? Like, let me catch up on some of the Wes and Fiddy takes over some of the sports topics that I missed over the well, weekend. Well, you know, I think him demanding a trade is just like... Um you know, I think the Panthers were just like, okay, whatever. See what you can get. We don't give a damn. Obviously, we're not playing you. We forget that you're even on the sidelines half the time. That's so right. just go ahead and do what you need to do, man. Whatever you find, uh, we'll accommodate you. How close were you to going to the foul line on TMJ? I, I mean, look, I wasn't going to go foul line. It, it is pretty comical to see a dude who has that lack of production want a bigger role. But he's also playing for a, a head coach that forgot to get him in the game plan the week after he had a career high in catches. It's very much like McCole Hardman with the Jets. He gets brought in. They forget he's on the roster. He goes back to Kansas City, makes a big play yesterday in the return game for the Chiefs. Like It's almost like they didn't forget he was on the roster and just didn't really want to play him all that much. Yeah, so I mean, I think it just really goes to show you 
how dysfunctional that organization is over there on Minton Moorhead. All right, another thing that I missed, of course, because it's another week that goes by, so we have to hear something off of the court with the Charlotte Hornets. And while I was gone, yep, we got a wrongful death lawsuit filed against Brandon Miller, one of three people where there was a wrongful death lawsuit filed against them for his role in Jamia Harris's death because of that murder that took place. Capital murder charges, by the way, for the other two involved in this scenario. Yeah. And so that happened with Brandon Miller. And even if you could have seen this coming, we even talked about it, if I'm not mistaken. I know we did on Lockdown Hornets. If you were to draft Brandon Miller, then you could see this coming at some point with in his rookie season. Within the upcoming first year in the NBA, I'm just tired of all the off-the-court stuff, man. It's exhausting. It is. It's so frustrating to continue to have to bring this stuff up, to discuss it, to have this type of aura surrounding the organization, despite trying to move on to a new chapter with new ownership, with a Brandon Miller number two overall selection, with LaMelo getting his $200 million uh, extension. There's so many other things to try to look forward to, but we just can't do it fully. Because we're always going to have this dark cloud hanging over the franchise with all the off-the-court issues. So that happened. How about a Charlotte FC postseason berth? Yes. Bangers only for Charlotte FC. Shout out to Jess. <laughs> Shout out to Willie P. What's the over-under, Fiddy, on Willie P calls we're going to play today? I would set it at about five and a half, and maybe I would take the over on it. The mic's not on. <laughs> I cut it off because I didn't want to hear you. Uh, or I don't want you to hear me growling back here just okay. in utter disgust. Gotcha. I would take the under because they only won one nothing. Now, if you want to go over under on how many consecutive tweets he has sent about Charlotte FC, you could put that number at 100.5, and you sh- the over wouldn't even wouldn't even qualify. Willie P is living his best life with Charlotte FC getting to the postseason. You would think he was the reason they made the postseason. Oh, but no, here's the thing. You speak about it with some kind of tone against it. I'm here for it. I'm ready for Willie Me P too. to just Willie yeah, pop I'm excited. Off. At least we get some type of playoff action, postseason action in this city. Seriously? Yes, seriously, Willie. The P stands for party, baby. The P stands for pop off. So tomorrow he'll be 3P, party, playoff, Pelagic. Love it. I'm so happy for that, man. The steamboat Willie P is going to show up just screaming all over the place. No goal for Betsy! <laughs> <laughs> Take that! <laughs> Not my goat! Love it. 1245 or 145 tomorrow. We'll speak to him because we can't book him today. The man's too busy. He, If you have a show, Willie P is on it. Unless you are Wesson Walker and Kyle Bailey, but that's because he's so booked everywhere else. And don't worry, Kyle Bailey's got you covered, I believe, with Jess Charman. Hopping on. <laughs> so I love it. Charlotte FC, talk your talk. An organization here in the city that's actually getting to the postseason. Love every second of it. And another thing I'm going to say, maybe for me, the best for last. How about them 49ers? They got a victory. Shout out to Biff Pogey. He told you he was going to hang you riders that had them last in the conference by your ankles and scold you for it. Well, maybe that still might happen, but at least they got a victory against DCU. I was telling my buddies at the wedding trip, whatever it is, I don't care what the number is. Bet the under on this game. You can bet Charlotte to win. That's fine. Their defense is good enough to make that a possibility. But bet the under because these offenses are throw-up kind of putrid. And it does not matter 
Charlotte still got the win, even if it was an ugly football game. That's West all Bryant. you care about is the dub, and that's all you should care about is the dub. Okay, when you are the Charlotte 49ers and you're coming into football games one and five, your offense is one of the worst in the nation. Your defense is 70th in the whole entire nation. You look for wins anywhere you can get them. You go up there to Greenville in the offensive ineptitude bowl, and you guys battle it out, <laughs> and you guys got a victory 10-7. to 7. Like you said, it doesn't matter about the style points. Nobody is trying to make the college football playoff in this football game, all right? You held East Carolina to nine first downs, so defensively, you got the job done. 127 total yards for East Carolina, and Charlotte crossed the 300-yard mark, Walker. I think you got everything you were looking for. 140-plus passing yards to me as a win for them. They ran for 180, out-physicaled them. So, salute to the Niners. In the last two games, Charlotte has scored 10 points. But they also have one win. They've got a win. And that's all that I care about. It's Wesson Walker off and rolling here on a Monday. Because of the crazy weekend in college sports, we decided to move up the campus corner. Campus Corner, coming up next. Where do you rank this loss to UVA among the most painful Heels fans have experienced? What does it mean for Duke? That Riley Leonard played and still was not able to hold on, especially once the fourth quarter came around yeah, against Florida State. Uh, no, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. Blown out in the fourth quarter. It did, but when he went out the game, they were winning. Wes has a problem with the phrasing of the question. I did. We find out more why <laughs> coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Monday here on the Wesson Walker Show. My man Walker Mail is back in the building. Keep the text coming. It is a buzz already with plenty of college football banter going on. 704-570-9610 is the number. You know he tried to get me while you were going on air to say that I loved uh, being with him uh, more than you. I'm not surprised about yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, he was he telling, trying to get me. And and I and I bet this is true because this happens when anybody's gone, but he was even on the walk here through the hallway to the studio as he dips off into the side studio. Like he, and again, the timing with Fiddy is everything. So then he leaves as he's saying it to leave on a bad note, but he says, yeah, man, you were catching, this is him drifting off into the distance. Yeah, man, you were catching strays on the text line. They liked me and Wes even better than you. Just thought you should know that. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I had to hear heading into the studio. All right, man. Well, listen, we got a lot to talk about. And so let's get right down to it. It is time to go to the camp. Kona. All right, let's get it cracking. We talked about it, the North Carolina Tar Heels. I've been working for the ACC Digital Network going on eight years, and I've witnessed some big upsets. And I've been watching college football and ACC football since I was eight years old. And I can't remember many losses of the upset variety as big as this one. Uh, You give teams a puncher's chance, when they come into football games. But this was one of the games to where if you gave Virginia a puncher's chance, it was 1-2%. Because the thing about the Cavaliers, too, is that when they were in positions to win this season like they were against NC State, 
they do things that bad football teams do. Stupid penalties, personal fouls. They always get in their own way, and they tried to do it when they fumbled, when they could have gone up double digits. It happened in this game. You're not wrong. It happened in this game that they won. Yeah, so this is what you normally see from bad football teams because you can look at it two ways. You can say that, yeah, Virginia almost fumbled the bag, but you could also look at it as Carolina could have lost by double digits to this team and – Listen, I told Fiddy in the, in the uh, fishbowl that Carolina got an SEC love in the AP poll to only drop seven spots. I thought they would have been in the 20s at a minimum or to drop out because the variety that we see from college football, unless you're an SEC team, i.e. Georgia and Alabama, you could lose four games in a row and they'll drop you four spots. But when you're an ACC team and you lose at home to a one and five football team to be, I thought that was grounds to be out of the poll. So let's just kick this thing off. Where do we rank the loss to Virginia among the most painful for Tar Heel football fans? Let's think. Let's bring this back. What? Let's go to the last 30 years of Carolina football. <sighs> it's up there, Wes. I, I don't know if it's number one, but it's damn close. It's like top three most painful given where we were and where the college football landscape is right now. Because if you look at it, I think it's fair to say there is not just an overall, oh my God, that team is dominant and they are the clear favorite. None of the Alabamas, LSU, Joe Burrow, Clemson, Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson type of teams. It doesn't feel like that, at least anyway, to me. All to say there was an opportunity, if North Carolina could hold on, to maybe be a top four team. And we had this conversation a lot. If you get to 9-0 which is what we were looking at with this three-game stretch in the middle of the season, then you deserve to be a part of the conversation. 9-0, that is big boy territory, man. That deep into the season without a loss, you've deserved it. But they couldn't even get to 7-0 because they lose to Virginia. Here are the losses that I'll go to. Fiddy, I do want you to either give me thumbs up, thumbs down, comment on any of these games. Yeah, I got a few notes after Walker goes, and then, Fiddy, you're going to have the floor, okay? We're going to let you uh, vent. Any NC State loss, there there are plenty of those to choose from. So because of the rival, whatever, right? Like pick your one. I don't need to go down all of them. But even last year, that was painful. Georgia Tech last year was bad. 2016 is a little hard because they lost to Georgia at the beginning, but that was good ACC football that year. That's Mm -hmm. when they had a bunch of good quarterbacks. They had the VT loss at home after a big Florida State win, and then they had the Duke game, too. That was sandwiched in. Not as let down, but still a bad enough loss. Okay, he feels it. 2015, you lose to South Carolina right off of the bat, which is a border rival. But remember, they win the rest of the way until they get to the ACC championship game. So that was more like retroactive hurt Mm -hmm. that you suffered against South Carolina because the way they just refused to give Elijah Hood the football. So 2015 there, 1997 loss to Florida State because they would win every other game. And that was the one that we were fantastic. That was a second-ranked Florida State team, by the way. And then 1996, or excuse me, yeah, 1996 they lost to Virginia with only one loss to a one-loss FSU team after being ranked sixth. So, like, you're talking about top three worst losses that I can remember for North Carolina. Yeah, and so to give a little bit more context to this thing, to talk about the magnitude of it, the victory was the first over a top 10 opponent on the road and program history. UVA came into the game 0 for 30 in road games against top 10 opponents. Their last win over a top 10 opponent 
overall was October 15th of 2005 versus Florida State and snapped a five-game losing streak against ranked foes and is the first victory for UVA against the top 25 team since defeating North Carolina on October 31st of 2020. And Virginia has won five of the last seven meetings against North Carolina. Clown show. Yeah, that was another omen coming into this game that Virginia was just a team that was throw the records out. They're going to battle against the Tar Heels each and every time. And so now, Joshua, I give you the floor to say what you want to say to the city about the Heels. They'll look at this to see whether this is a flagrant. Here we go. That was scary. I don't even even know if I want to see that again. You've got to think that's going to be a flagrant. The question is, is it a one or a two? (laughs) I have had almost 48 hours to think about that bleep show I watched on Saturday night in Keenan Stadium. I get a lot of flack from my coworkers about being too hard on Tar Heel football, not appreciating the fun times and the good times. You want to know why? Because they don't last. 9-1 and one last year, four straight losses to end the year. 6-0 and oh this year. I'm bought in. You've beaten five FBS opponents by double digits. No one else in the country could say that. 9-0 was on the table. Winning the conference for the first time since 1980 is on the table. Going to the playoff is on the table. And I never asked for any of that. All I asked was to not lose at home to 1-5 Virginia. And you can't even do that. Walker, you say two sayings all the time. Tar Heel football, it exists to disappoint. That's right. And you love Mac Brown Sunday through Friday. <laughs> That's but right. But you hate him as your head coach <laughs> yes, on Saturday. Yes, yes. I hate him on Saturdays. <laughs> and I have, I have complained about him as much as I love the hire. As the reason why we're never going to get to where I want to get to. And Saturday was the best reason why. After a whole week of preaching to your kids, don't bite the poison, don't eat the cheese. You get outcoached by Tony freaking Elliott, who was this close, this close to being back in engineering school because he was proven not to be a head coach. No accountability, no in-game adjustments, nothing. You sat there while you watched your 6-0 and top 10 football team with the best quarterback you're ever going to have, a generational prospect, Lose at home to Virginia, those pompous ass, Mm. better than me, (laughs) holier than thou, nerds. Dude, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I felt that. God, all I want to do, all I want to do is is just win big football games once every three to four years. This wasn't even a big football game, too. But it felt big because (laughs) it's a top ten game. You've lost three straight games at home as 17 and a half point favorites or more. Yeah. How the hell does that happen, Mac? Yeah, and I, and and Walker Mail, you're not getting out of this alive either. Gosh. Okay, I'm coming in with the tag. Oh, listen, okay. listen, we're not we're not just gonna pile on my dog like that. The head coach has to take a lot of blame, no doubt about it. But Mr. May, 24-48, 4-13 on third downs. Mr. Big third down where the guy was wide oh. open in the middle of the zone. He got to get some of this smoke on the microphone too, man. 
Oh, wait. Drake May was not great in this game. That's all, I'm just saying. He got to get a little smoke on his microphone, oh, too, man. I'm not going to. I'm going to keep it a buck, too, with Drake May. All right. Drake all May, right. when we talk about what Drake May had accomplished before this, yeah. we would always frame it in the sense of, all right, he had a couple of interceptions against Minnesota that were awful, mm-hmm. but the other throws were enough to justify it. I mean, honestly, even in this game, the third and 12 reception that was dropped at the back of the end zone, that one hurts. I do think that there are some plays here where you had McCollum drop four passes in this one. Dude, the lack of accountability I saw on the football field on Saturday uh-huh. was, was mind-blowing. You had two. You had two illegal substitution procedures. That should never happen. You have two of them. Nate McCollum, great transfer. Four drops. Never gets taken out of the game. And the one thing I was worried about when Tez Walker came back was they were going to force-feed him the football. There were other, there are other guys on the roster, Chip, that you can throw the football to. Then Amari and Hampton, five carries, 32 yards in the second half. I'm not a math major. That's 7.2 yards a carry. He had 112 yards on 19 carries. And Chip Lindsey goes, you know what? We're going to throw the ball 48 times while Drake May was never in rhythm and off point. No wonder why Gus Malzahn took away your play calling duties. Because when you needed to put together a game plan, you couldn't do it the other night. It's pathetic, man. But it's what this program does. So the- I, No, I'm not done. <laughs> one, of the, one of the big I, – I, I dated the same woman three straight times. That's not the dumbest thing I ever did. The <laughs> dumbest thing I ever did was believe that that program would get it right, that that program would not fail me, that that program would not disappoint me. That's what they do best. I mean, this is uh, this going to be hard to stop. Are you done now? I got to breathe. All right, 704, <laughs> Rodin, your tears are delicious. People are loving this segment. I don't know if it's because of the pain or the vent. But people do love you going off. And here's the thing about Drake May as well. Yeah, completed 50% of his passes with 350 yards total, two touchdowns, missed guys for sure. There were a lot of drops here. And the biggest thing is, honestly, with this conversation as to why North Carolina football was different this season through the first six games, Mm -hmm. it was the defensive side. Mm -hmm. If you put up, now, you should score 30 against a team as bad as Virginia. The offense is not getting off scot-free. But when you talk about the defense allowing 31 points to that offense and Mike and and having uh you know the running back excuse me Mike uh whoever oh, Mike Hollins yeah, Hollins yes, thank Mike you. Hollins. I was thinking Mike Houston with the ECU law or, yeah. uh, but with Mike Hollins having just zero problem getting into the end zone despite having the fumble out of the back of it this defense didn't show up yeah. and so Virginia's defense was able to whoop the offensive line and pass protection with Drake May they got after him really all day and then when you're talking about the offense for Virginia putting up 31 points and then here we are talking about them flirting with 40 the only reason you don't allow them to get to 38 is because they fumbled the ball out of the end zone when you're right Wes they could have lost this game by Mm -hmm. double digits it's the defense that did the biggest pumpkin reveal besides this North Carolina's offense still a decent amount of yardage still some meat on the bone but it's the defense for North Carolina that showed you what they have been in years past yeah and I agree with you uh wholeheartedly you look at the time of possession 3706 for Virginia 2254 for the hills and listen we're going to be dissecting this all week and what it's going to mean for Carolina going forward but let's move on to the other big game on the schedule I guess the Carolina game became big after they lost it, but <laughs> right. Duke and Florida State, and this was a game that Riley Leonard comes out and starts, to my surprise, uh, for sure. The defense comes out. They played well for about three quarters, 
Uh, Riley Leonard gets a big time. He just gets smushed back there in the pocket, re-aggravates that ankle, goes out of the game with the Blue Devils in the lead by three. And this is how I want to kick off this conversation because you talk about coaching. And a lot of times I believe it comes down to the players making plays. I love Coach Mike Elko, and I think he's done a great job. But he's definitely done some things that have cost them some football games, especially when you talk about the Notre Dame game when they decide not to blitz late when it was working all game long, uh, not being aggressive enough on the final job to close the game. Then against Florida State, when you have the momentum, you're on the road, you can take points, your defense is playing fantastic, and you decide to go for it on fourth and three when you could have just kicked a field goal. Uh, I didn't quite understand that. I thought that turned the tide of the game. Riley Leonard then gets hurt. I mean, he got hurt before that. And then after that, Florida State just yeah. the bow broke on the defense. And so I think that uh, that really hurt Duke. But kudos to Florida State. They did what they needed to do. 21-zip uh, in the fourth quarter. But I just thought that Duke could have kept their momentum going had you kicked the field goal. And also, too, uh, another gripe that I had was how in this era do you have a kicker that can't kick the ball out of the back of the end zone? Why teams put the ball in play at all is beyond me. If you come out for me and you're a kicker and you can't kick it out of the back of the end zone, I don't want you. Because after Duke got that pick six, they give up a 99-yard kick return right after that. And at that point, I was like, ugh. I'm like, that's Florida State keeps answering back. But I thought that play turned the tide of the game because Duke had all the momentum at that point. But Florida State, the better team at home, once Riley Leonard goes out of the game, it changed. Not to say that Florida State would have lost had Riley Leonard stayed in the contest, but I just would have liked to have seen what would have happened because Beelan got in there and looked like a deer in headlights when he got out there under the lights in Duke Campbell. Somebody, yeah, somebody wrote in that if Riley Leonard finishes this game, that Duke ends up winning. Look, it certainly changed what happened after Riley Leonard left with about seven minutes or so left to go in that third quarter. Yeah. But, man, it's the defense for Duke, they let the Blue Devils down in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, that's just how it worked. 21 points in the fourth after you were right there. It was going to be tough. It was going to be really tough for what this defense was going to have to go through. But that was the task at hand, especially when Riley Leonard goes out. And the, mm-hmm. the phrasing of the question, just to tease, right? What does it mean for Duke that you lose to Florida State when Riley Leonard plays? It wasn't to suggest that this was Riley Leonard's fault all the way. What it means is, did you bring him back a little too soon? Because it was not the initial. T- we thought yeah. he was going to miss a couple games. Mm-hmm. But it's a big monster matchup against Florida State. Yeah. No, not, and no, he looked good most of that game until he get, took that hit. Yeah. And so then you take him out. And now you bring in Beelan. <laughs> Is it going to be one of those <laughs> things with Riley Leonard where you can never feel too safe about him being out there yeah. with more meaningful football games Ahead of schedule. Here we are looking at that Duke North Carolina game. We thought if he just would have sat out a couple in a row that he'd be more than likely good against the heels. Now, if he's suffering an injury again, is this going to be someone that's not 100%? It takes a little bit of the air out of this contest. You probably set him back a couple of weeks at this point because the way that looked late in that game, especially when he was over there trying to run on it and how tender it looked. 
yeah, it does look like that he's probably going to miss at least their next game. So this is the problem that I have. You you put up a good fight in the first half. It looked like a fun game. And then Florida State just explodes in the fourth quarter with no Riley Leonard out there. It all went very poorly for Duke once we got to the second half. And hopefully Duke can figure it out because I still have enough trust in that defense. When Riley is healthy, I feel good about them. Yeah. The running game can still be strong. We saw the big run that uh, – that, um, uh, Jordan you, Waters yeah. or – Whatever, right? The running back had for 40 yards. It's just when you're talking about Waters and Jaquez Moore. That's yeah, what talking about. I just I hope that they're able to figure it out and continue winning football games down the road. Yeah, no doubt it matters about for it. The ACC. Yeah, I mean they ran 5.6 yards per carry. Fitty, you got some gas in you to do your uh, Fitty Flash or what you thinking? It's all right. <laughs> be a little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share. Might as well smile. Life goes on for a little Fitty. Big-time players make big-time plays, Wes. And unlike my Tar Heel football team, I show up when I am needed. (laughs) So will Christian McCaffrey. Now, he will suit up tonight for the Niners as they take on the Vikings on Monday Night Football. Nice little uh, note for you, Wes, as you gear up to watch your Niners. Okay. Minnesota's never started at home 0-4. They're 0-3 tonight, so fate is on the line on Monday Night Football. So (laughs) is a potential win in fantasy football. So I hope CMC's quads are okay after a week of uh, making love to Olivia Culpo because I need about 35 points from him tonight. (laughs) No doubt about it. That should be uh, a great game. And and I would be remiss to say, too, that made it sweeter uh, for the the Carolina loss. Oh, God, move on. The Demon Deacons. Get oh, the, the comeback win against against Pitt. Against Pitt. Fonda and I left the game a little prematurely, but came back into the stadium though to see the finish of that. Mm. But we can talk about that a yeah. little. <laughs> we can talk yeah. about that a little later. They're leaving a game that is his own alma mater he quit on. <laughs> All right, well, when we come back, we're going to revisit Charlotte FC's postseason birth over the weekend. That and more on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Still New York with the possession. Halfway home, it's off, it's time, and that's it! It's over! It's done! Charlotte FC is going to the playoffs! Charlotte FC is going to the playoffs! Columbus Crew beat Montreal, and we are headed for soccer on Wednesday night! Willie P on the call, the voice of Charlotte FC, as happy as anybody out there that Charlotte FC clinches a spot in the postseason. Bangers only for Charlotte <laughs> FC. They will play on Wednesday night again. That was the call on WFNZ. How about doing it, of course, too, in front of what might be the GOAT? Is it widely considered? Is it still debatable with Lionel Messi being the greatest of all time? Like, we still want to go with Pele. Oh, and- you get Ronaldo people, too, or different stuff like that. But I think that for the most part, people say Messi. I thought it was Landon Donovan. You stink. <laughs> it was against Algeria. You know Clint Dempsey. Yes, of course. We're going. Are we just not forget about Freddie Adu? Now, now it's basically just name soccer players that you've heard of in the last oh, ten years. I mean, Alexi Lawless. Yeah. You stink. I only know about Alexi Lawless with his soccer takes now. Like I know about him as a broadcaster. He's like the cowherd in the soccer world. That's that's correct. Yes, that is one hundred percent correct. But Messi, they get the job done against him. And so, what what a weird build up to this game because there was a long time we weren't sure that Lionel Messi was going to suit up. 
But then even Colin was talking about how, yeah, he was a little skeptical that Messi was actually going to play in this game until they finally introduced him. He said the crowd went wild because you have to imagine even with Charlotte FC being there, people were excited yeah. about the postseason eligibility that was at hand. People were there to go see maybe the best to ever lace him up. Mm -hmm. So what's great is that you accomplish that moment in front of a guy like that. So then you capitalize on the moment where maybe Messi and his appearance opens up the door to casual soccer fans. Hey, you know, they're in the news. This is this is an opportunity for them. They could really accomplish something here in a way that the Carolina Panthers won't this season and in a way where the Charlotte Hornets have not in, what, seven years now. So maybe that's something FC can do in their second season of existence. And it happens when Messi is on the field having a chance at a free kick and it not going in and Charlotte holding on to a one to nothing victory, which if you had been following this team all year long, you knew that this is not a team that was good at all at holding on to, to leads late into this game. They scored early. I heard Fiddy in the fishbowl. He was like, yeah, man, that's like the worst thing they could have done. <laughs> yeah. I went, when I got the notification in Keenan, I was like, Oh no, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you're going you're gonna to do it this way to us. They score in the 13th minute. Like, wait, this is how this is the blueprint to lose all season long, but they hold on and they hold on against that guy. What an awesome accomplishment. We talked about it too, Wes. Go off, Willie. This is your time, buddy. And this is after everything that happened, after all of the draws that you experienced after holding on to leads, eventually it felt like losses. They had the the winless streak that went forever, it seemed like, and a couple things had to happen, but it did. And we're talking about the only professional postseason team here in Charlotte with FC. That it did, and they're in a play-in scenario, so hopefully they can do more with that than what the Charlotte Hornets did when they were in their play-in scenarios and make good because the winner of this gets FC Cincinnati, the number one seed, so you would think – uh, whoever wins this game anyway, it's going to be Bon Voyage more than likely you lose. But who knows? And so for Charlotte, like you said, this is a playoff starved community in any sport that they can get it done in, especially a major sport like MLS. Uh, may not be NBA. It may not be the NFL. But look, you've got a team that people care about in this town that will have some postseason uh, play. And who knows what can happen from there? How frustrating is it that David Tepper brought winning soccer to the Queen City as opposed to winning football? <laughs> it's disappointing. When yeah, especially when you factor in. He's had, they, Charlotte FC's had three presidents in their two years. So it's not like they've been the best-run organization either. But they've still yet managed to find a way to make it to the postseason while we're sitting here with an 0-6 football team. And just to be clear, when I say it's disappointing, that's no shade to FC. It's just it's disappointing that he's been running the Carolina Panthers for, uh, what, four, Six years years. Long, four years longer, a lot yeah. longer. I, I think that's fair to say, three times as long. And yet here we are at 0-6 as it stands right now with the Panthers. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is that, you know, the Hornets were a couple seasons ago. They went to playing games consecutively, so I guess you could say that's postseason play it's just that Charlotte FC they're in the same scenario so what will they do with it will they rise to the occasion because we heard Willie P talk about uh on our airways that this was a team that a lot of people would not want to play in postseason situations because I mean they may not win every game but they sure do tie and they're sure going to give you hell if you're going to beat them so uh you know this is the team that is coming in with some momentum 
Well, yeah, and and especially just with everything that Charlotte FC has gone through this year. As I went down the list, but Alex Zeitlow of Charlotte Observer puts it well when you're discussing everything that they went through this year, right? So, surefire wins that turn into draws. The long winless streak that I mentioned. I would ask Willie when he would join us weekly, hey, is there a real possibility that their head coach gets fired? Here they are apologizing for the way that things were playing out, especially at the end of games. I remember listening to Jessica Charman hop on with Mac and Bone and do her weekly segment with them saying, look, it's it's ridiculous how it's it's like Stephen A. Smith discussing the Dallas Cowboys. Anything that can happen will happen. That's what it felt like with Charlotte FC. And so when they get off to this early lead, it makes total sense that Fiddy would say it's the worst thing that could possibly happen. And yet they hang on in that environment. That's what's crazy. And that's why it's such a big, like the way they were able to capitalize. That's why you're able to breed some positivity within the city. Also a neat moment. They had Anton walks, his daughter. She was on the pitch. I was at the season opener when they honored him to have his daughter walk them onto the pitch. I'm sorry. That was, that was a neat moment. I mean, it's it's definitely it's one of the best things that we as a sports city we've got to experience because you got a you had the best player in the sport in your stadium, sixty six thousand fans, and the home team clinches the first outright playoff berth for a team in Charlotte since two thousand and seventeen. It's pretty cool. It's only going to build momentum for soccer here in uh, in Charlotte. And just for those who don't know, real quickly, Anton Walks is the soccer player for Charlotte FC who died in January after a boat collided with his jet ski. And we got that news where it was something that they were harboring at the beginning of the season. And eventually, we they even talked about the passing of Anton Walks, that he was still here in spirit, of course, and that that helped him through some tough times even. And obviously, it was really hard for them to go through the death of a teammate at the beginning of the season and even in the offseason that had happened again in January. So kudos to Charlotte FC. Holding on, we'll have Willie P, the voice of Charlotte FC, on tomorrow to talk a lot more My about it. My butt is on fire. I bet it is, man. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it is, Willie P. I'm happy for you, buddy, and I'm happy for every Charlotte FC fan out there. Let's move on. It's the 1 o'clock hour. Coming up next, let's get to some Carolina Panthers conversation. They're reportedly looking for a wide receiver to aid Bryce Young's development. Would it be a good idea to trade draft capital for a wide receiver? Or are you just looking to do a player swap? We'll talk about it next, 1 o'clock. Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ.